Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Open Guardcast. This is episode 82. We are running on advanced technology. Everything about this podcast is next level upgraded, working towards seeing the future for what it is. I'm wearing a hat right now. It is disgusting. It is 7 a.m. We woke up, not for gains, but for brains. Election performance can give you both. So make sure you go check them out. Hey. Jake Watson and Danny O'Donnell up at 7 a.m. Uh, open guard cast is just ready to rise and grind. Speaking of rising and grinding, Tiago Macedo <clears throat> is joining us today, fighting on the EUG promotions card that we have been extensively covering. I'm looking at his BJJ Heroes page. This man has fought a lot. Oh, my goodness. This is a lot of fights. And uh, not only a very experienced competitor, but also pan champion in 2020. So, Tiago, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, guys, for inviting me. Thank you. Of course, man. Yeah, and we uh, we're so, we're so excited for the event, and uh, I never actually got the opportunity to tell you, Tiago, but your performance at Pans was not only very very impressive, but I almost I think I might have had like eight heart attacks. <laughs> and, and, uh, your back defense is <laughs> you're you're I'm so jealous of your back defense and your confidence in your back defense. That is scary, scary stuff. You were like there were times where your knee was like a millimeter off the mat. I think it was against Gianni, and then you come around, you win the fight. I'm like, what the? This doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so my question is, do you practice a lot of specific training? Oh yeah, since like since I'm a kid, I never like wanted to get my guard pass at the gym. For me, it was like I don't I don't accept. Sometimes people get mad. Like when I was 13 years old, 14. And then I, I trained for a lot of people. Like I was like 13, 130 pounds, 135. I already trained for boys with 160, 170. And I want to get my guard passed by this train, but I ended up like giving my back because ended up trying to take my back. Ended up since like I mean I'm a kid, I've been escaping back control. And whenever I moved to US, Rodrigo Pinheiro, my professor, he has an incredible back defense too. And he does a lot of specific of back take and back escape. So plus I already trained this since I kid when I moved to US, I started doing more specific and more uh, be confident, especially Rodrigo is a great finisher from the back. He's like, he don't go for the, he he has a really nice back take. And I remember first time I trained him, he finished me, he finished me seven times from the back. I feel like, wow. So, and then I start, training train every day for him getting better and better every day and um, yeah by the way i'm gonna do my bjj fanatic this sunday film about oh that's awesome back defense oh that's so, fantastic we'll definitely be promoting that um <clears throat> and um that's just something we that's something we usually say at the end of the episode that will help you promote your stuff but uh definitely if you want if you want any help promoting that then uh, let us know one more thing before i uh, pass the ball to danny funny enough my professor is andre maracaba and he is uh, old best friends with uh, Rodrigo Piero. And oh, that's, nice. uh, yeah, it's really, really cool. And I, I didn't know that until one day Rodrigo just came up to me and saw the Andre patch. And he was like, hey! And I was like, I don't know. This, <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> and uh, and the, at Pans, I, I saw Renato Canuto. And he had his long hair done like Rodrigo does. So I was like, Rodrigo! And I slapped Renato <laughs> on the back. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? I'm like, whoa, I, you, you look like Rodrigo Piero. And now, uh, whenever I see Hanato, I just call him Rodrigo as a joke. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, we definitely want to get into a little bit about EUG promotions just because it's such a stacked card and we're, we're trying to help promote as much as we can. So what was your initial impression when you first saw the names in that bracket? I, I really feel excited because especially right now after when I went Pan Ames, I was just training, focusing on the, on the world championship. I was, I don't, I don't care about the super fight. I did the super fight in December. But in this year, I was just waiting like something big tournament in February, like or in closer. And I start like avoiding a lot of super fights. They asking fight fight to win against a lot of against Kennedy, against Isaac, a lot of people. And I don't was a lot of interesting because I was focused on the words because and then when I see they don't put the the date of any big tournament and I saw that UG promotion, I feel I'm really excited because it's prestigious for me. It's not like sometimes you, you, for me, I was it's more prestigious doing brackets, knowing everybody's stuff. You know, like let's say there is a Dallas Open and there's one guy tough, another guy tough. This one's everybody's stuff. So if you win, it's really prestigious because there is no easy fight. Different also like you do a super fight, something happened, like uh, I will enjoy it. I I already feel like oh I feel excited about this tournament because so much so many good names. And yeah, yeah, I mean really exciting. And I right away when I saw I That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of names in there are guys that you fought before in tournaments or Super fights or whatever, but there's probably a couple that you haven't. Um, do you want to talk about some of the matchups in there that you'd be excited about with guys that you haven't fought before? Oh, I haven't fought uh, Andy and Jonathan. Just those think, two. Yeah, Mas Andre fought him long time in the blue belt, so pretty much was a long time, 2011 or wow. 10. So are there so, any, any matchups in there in particular that you're particularly looking forward to? Uh, for me? Yeah, for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> actually, actually, both. Is there any anyone that you want to fight? And then also any matchups that you want to see that don't involve you? Yeah, I want to fight Jamil. Mm. And I want to see Gabriel and Angel Morisak. Yeah, that would be awesome. Your fights with Jamil have been really good too. So yeah, that would definitely yeah. be an awesome rematch. Yeah, for sure. And one uh you you said that there's not an easy fight in the bracket as well. Man, looking at your pans run, Adam Benayun, then Gianni Grippo, then Samuel Nagai, then Mateus Gabriel. It's like that's all that's a harsh that's a harsh gauntlet. And then immediately then the, <laughs> after that, I don't know how much longer uh, afterwards it was, but then at third coast beating Johnny Tama, it's like you've had, you've had fight hard fight back to back to back. You've, you, you, you like to stay very active, which I think is one of your best perks. Uh, <clears throat> not, I don't want to say what you want your best perks are, but one thing I noticed that stands out about you is that you really love to compete a lot. Like you just love to stay out there, stay active. And I think that's, in my opinion, that's, that's, when I improve the most is when I'm competing a lot. Would you say that that's something that you've specifically taken, like you really like to compete a lot so that you stay fresh, you stay active, and that's when you feel your best? And I always, I how can I say, like, 
I started as a kid competing, like my brother even forced me to say, I don't even want to compete. He put like, hey, you rush in this tournament. <laughs> hey, next week you're going to fight. And then it was so much like, and then I started getting used to, used to that. And then for some reason, when I become like a purple belt, I came to US, I was kind of lost because I, I don't know the language. I don't know a lot of tournament. And as I was, I stopped competing a lot here in US with on the brown belt and the purple belt because I was going to Brazil. I like I, I make some money here and I was kind of lost. And then when I be and then I have an injury in my knee one day, and then I wasn't able to compete into right when I and then when I get my black belt, I made it like a promise to me. I'm gonna start competing like I used to be once I get a black belt. I don't care about the results. I'm just gonna do as much as I can. I don't care if it's a small tournament. And then that's when I start refereeing MGJF because they could have refound my registration division. And plus, I can make a little money to help them with my travel expenses and hotel stuff. And that's when I start competing like a lot of BJJF. Sometimes I compete three BJJF a month. Like, and I, I put in my mind, I'm not getting tired. It's if you, I lose the tournament because I lost. Because sometimes you do so much tournament that you sometimes when you lose, you want to put in your mind, oh, because I'm doing so much. Maybe it's true, you're doing so much, but like, I don't want to believe that. So I was doing a lot of tournaments as much as I can. And I start fighting a lot of tough people. That I never fought before, because when I when I came here as a color belt, I was only doing the big ones, so I was not willing getting prepared, prepared because I I just was going straight to the big ones. I when I was purple and brown belt, and then when I become black belt, I make a promise like I will compete a lot, and I start competing, competing, competing. My my confidence start getting way better. Even sometimes when something going wrong with the tournament, I got choked, I just go to the gym, I did something wrong. Something happened. And the next tournament I'm better. And then that's how I feel like com when I, com I compete a lot of like helping me a lot. Right on, on the 2019, 2020. <clears throat> 2020, right at the beginning of the year, I, I before everything shut down, I did it like UAE, the Grand Slam, Abu Dhabi that I fought, I fought Gabriel in the final, and then in London that I fought, uh, G, uh, I think it was Kennedy on the final, and then I did it in Mexico that I fought another guy from Cobrini on the final. I ended up winning, and then after that, the Corona start. I was always active. Yeah, one thing you, you mentioned, and, and this is something that I really like about your career, like Jake said, you fight so much, but in jiu-jitsu, it's not really like other sports. Like, it's it's hard to be undefeated. Most people have lost in jiu-jitsu, so has it been, has it yeah. been difficult at all to, to come back from some of those tournaments where you said, like, you didn't feel like you performed your best and you lost? Like, because doing so many tournaments, you, like I said, you, you're going to inevitably you probably lose some. So was it was that ever difficult to go through some of those losses and come back and still compete with that same frequency? Yeah, yeah, because sometimes like depends how you lose. Some people sometimes you lose by a mistake. Sometimes you lose by like the guy was a little bit fast, he caught you. Or sometimes you lose literally and get 
like even if it's not beat up by 10-0 was or choose sometimes and one time I get beat up by like four advantage and I was destroyed. I feel the guy like pass a truck on top of me. <laughs> and I feel like what's wrong for me? I, I get I get to my wife, I say I, I can't believe this guy did that to me. I don't know. I thought I was training all hard, everything, and then this guy just show up and did that. And then made me sometimes shock you, like make you like what what am I doing wrong? And then I feel like, damn, I want to fight this guy again. Or sometimes you feel scared, like, oh my gosh, why, why I feel like that's... One time, I don't know when it was. I was in the 2018. I beat Samir in the semifinal, and I went to the final against Iago George. And I said, oh, I'm fed away. He's like, feather. going to be fine. <laughs> Bro, he was the strongest guy He's I ever really fought. Tough. He looks so strong. He's from Cisco Costa, Iago George. I feel like... And then right on the fight, what it was in my mind, how he's stronger than me, this guy. And then after I lost my wife, like, what's happened? I say, bro, this guy's strong. Bro, this guy's like feather. I know. I don't know what's happened. Yeah. So sometimes, like, you. And then I, I thought about that this day, I won't underestimate anyone anymore. Because you don't know. Maybe this guy's like feather, but he's strong as a middleweight. Maybe this guy, like, look weird, but. So as I always try go fix the gym and say, oh, now I'm going to do like a lot of pull-ups. I want to be strong than this guy. And I want to prove myself sometimes I can be strong. That was, was one of my mistakes because I started watching a lot of like the uh, summer fights when they got the world champs. Like, let's say, going to give an example, Matthias Gabriel. He never get out, he, out of his game. In my tournament, I get out a lot of my game. I say, oh, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. But when I start a mat, I change. I get mad at something. I get like, oh, this guy thinking I cannot pass his guard. I'm going to try pass his guard. Like, it's a thing for me sometimes. That's what I put in my mind. I don't care. I just, on this pen names, I'm going to do my game. I don't care. I won't get, please, I slap myself. I won't get out of my game. I will do my game. Because I remember... Many times I said, I'm going to do my game, I'm going to do that, that. And then when it's a match, I try pass the guy guard. And I try start with a double leg, I pull guard, and then I try, I get out of my game. Many times, anyway, that's when the fight lead in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Like, this happened to me a lot, many tournaments. I said, I'm going to do one thing, and then ended up doing another thing. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> I find that so interesting because... We're talking about like how much you compete. So you would think that like all those tournaments you'd stick to your game, but I know that's a problem that a lot of not necessarily a problem, but it's something that a lot of competitors deal with is sticking to a game plan. For some people it works. They like to just kind of go with the flow, but for some people they perform better when they stick to the game plan. So do you feel like your results are better when you stick to your game and do it what you go into the tournament to to set out for? Yeah, because uh depends which fight like sometimes you gotta see what tournament you're doing what's the rule set yeah if it's finishing only you gotta look for the finish it's something like that especially when i was against on the final against matthias gabriel i say i'm gonna get on the beginning of my game and he's have to fight because usually when i saw his fighting usually people have to fight against him because he's always winning mm -hmm. So when I start winning, 
he has to fight. I put in, he's in the opposite situation that he put everybody. Because it's different when you lose and you lose, you go like crazy, you want to take it out, you want to finish. And that's what I usually, I do myself. I do some mistake and start losing and the guy just like, you're going crazy, going crazy. And that's when you do a lot of mistakes yeah. too. So I say, I'm going to do my game. Once I take him down, I feel like, oh, now I put him on his game. Let's see how he's going to react. Mm-hmm. And it's different. You see sometimes it's like, if you see like, I see, I, 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 I watch a lot of Matthew Gabriel's fight before I fought him. And I saw on the wars, he's like giving a single leg to everybody because he was winning. He didn't care about getting taken out because he has a good base and he's couldn't stay there all day and people would not take it out. And the guy's just getting tired, tired, tired. And I saw Kennedy too. He's there and they can't try taking out. He's just like hanging around. And then once I see myself in my in this situation, I feel like that's my best technique I have seen since Green Belt. So I won't lose it right here. Once I take it out, I say like, oh, now is is his time to do what he has to do. Now he put himself. I put himself in his own game that he put a lot of people in the last year on the Panams and the world. On the first match, if you see his first match against like João Mendes, Rafael Mansur, if you see like, so, yeah, I I I always like sometimes I go happens, but for this one, I really want to win. I say I gonna do my game and and if I have a, one of my best finish, I will finish like I have on my two first matches. 55th I have like 10 finishes so in tournament so once I get there it's just like automatic I go triangle I don't I don't go out a lot but if it's there I finish it's like it's a thing like for me like if you give someone triangle you most have to finish unless the guy is up I don't know have a strong <laughs> neck yeah. can't handle because it's not anyone can can handle as a choke on front train yeah, for sure mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's so interesting what you said about the fight with Mateus because like you said it, it seems like he's always fighting with a lead so he's making his opponents take risks yeah. and then he gets these submissions sometimes or just ends up winning by points but he's, he seems like he's fighting from the front and so when you put him behind it seemed like a, a different a different Mateus would you agree with that yeah, now you feel like a crazy yeah. one that everybody wants to exactly, see. Exactly, yeah. Had to be super aggressive and try to attack. And that was such an awesome match. And, and the funny thing, I thought I was losing. <laughs> That's why I want to take it on so bad. Because when we pull guard together, he come up, the referee gave it true to him. Oh, yeah. Instead of the advantage, and say, yeah. And, and I say, fuck, I'm losing. That's why I come up crazy. <laughs> Before I take him down, I didn't know it was was zero zero. That's why I was so crazy. I did one, I did a two. On the fourth time I take him down. And then once I take him down, look at the time. I thought it was I said, Oh, I still have to do one advantage because he's winning by two and then one advantage. When I saw it was two points for me and zero for him, I say, I say, they take it off his point. And then when I look to him, I say, Oh, I'm winning. <laughs> I didn't know I thought it was two two. And then when I saw like, oh, now you're in trouble. Yeah. That's why I was so crazy to try taking now. Like, I was like, damn, I want to take it. I'm losing by 2-0 away. 
Yeah. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything more stressful than uh, being in a situation in tournament and needing a takedown. <clears throat> and that, that, that sucks because thinking, because that's got to play with your mind a little bit, right? Like mid fight, you have to be like, oh, now I can switch my game. Now I can change my, how I'm fighting a little bit. But you, the whole time you thought that you had to be fighting a certain way. And then as soon as the refs help you out, you're like, go back into, okay, I'm winning mode, right? Yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask you too about the, the your single leg because I feel like that's one of like you said one of your best techniques. That's the technique you were referring to, right? Your single leg that you've been doing since you were a kid. Yeah. So can you talk about like why you kind of gravitated towards that technique? Like why why was that such a big part of your game? And do you think that it's something that you've used uh, like, through all your belts, or was it something you kind of started with and came back to, or have you always been using it? I start. As a green belt, like a orange belt, I always start with the heavy guard. Everybody smashing my face, try pass my guard, and then start come up uh -huh. with the leg. I start doing the lahiba first, and then change for this position, the green belt, to the blue belt, and then I start doing, 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 and then I stop it. But I always have this game. I always ended up. I mean, I have a many fights in the black belt. They start doing it, and then one day. I did a single leg somewhere and then I lose. I said, dang, I usually not lose this thing. I do this thing since I'm like, I'm young. And then I come back to do it again. Because that's like, for me, I don't like to give like a lot of space whenever I'm playing guard. I like to sweep right away. I like to be on top. And especially in featherweight, if you play so much, De La Riva in Lasso Gara. People right now, they just are gonna leg drag, I'm dragging, do something fast. So I like to explode and go straight to the leg. The way I feel like then, now I can just take them down and get my sweep. I started doing this like from the right. I always attack the left leg of my opponent and then ended up change to the right leg. I like to attack the left leg. That's my, my favorite. But I'm um, on the tournament, a lot of people give the right leg. I think it's the leg that everybody has base in. And they start practicing a lot. I, I don't start leading to this technique. I just want to play half your guard, grab one, and then it was easy to come up to sweep the kids. And then I start, keep doing that. Yeah, I think I started young, and then I keep this game awesome. forever. Yeah, I feel, I feel like what you said, too, about wanting to be on top and not wanting to be on your back for a very long time against the featherweights. It's really interesting because I think – a lot of featherweights and, and people lighter, they, they like to play on their back. They like to stay on their back almost the whole match. But it's really cool to see someone play with a different strategy. Like, Jake, what do you think about that? Do you, do you agree that most featherweights tend to prefer to be on bottom for most of the match? From what I've seen, yes. <clears throat> I would say that um, that's something that I see, and that's, and that's one of the things that I respect about uh, innovative grapplers is those who are willing to kind of break the mold of their division. Um. I think that uh, it's definitely super hard to pass. Uh, I mean, even like me going against featherweights, I, I'm like, what? How do I do this? How do I pass this guy's guard? And I think that that's probably one of the things that's most interesting uh, about like your style of going for the single leg. I think Marcio Andres, one of his favorite techniques is single leg too, right, Danny? Yeah, he uses it a lot. Yeah, he loves the single yeah, leg yeah, too. Yeah. I think that it's a super important situation that I feel like presents itself across all levels of black belt is the single leg situation because I mean, people like Lucas Lepre have been getting up on single legs forever with the lapel, with everything like that. Um, seeing it happen more at the lower weight classes, I think is just indicative of 
wow, people are getting better at passing. Like, people are getting better at passing the guard. People are getting stronger. Like you said before, there are people who are featherweight and feel like middleweight. I fought Jonatas Gracie, and that guy's, like, lightweight, and he feels like a super heavyweight with his strength. It's <laughs> stupid. So uh, he hugged my head, and I, I still <laughs> haven't got it back. So it's uh, – <laughs> It's, it, I can see what you're saying, but yeah, breaking the mold like that is definitely a, it's interesting. It's something I'm trying to get better at too, since I'm, I'm me, I'm medium heavyweight, but I have like the height and frame of a super heavyweight. I'm just not there yet. I'm just not, you know, I'm not ripped enough to be a super heavyweight. yet. <laughs> so I'm trying to make my game applicable for medium heavy. That's why I do a lot of, uh, I don't know, bear and ball and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So another thing I wanted to ask you about, too, that we kind of touched on before we started recording, but one thing I feel like that you've done that a lot of other competitors in the division haven't done is you've refed a lot. So do you want to talk about, like, refing and how you feel like that's helped your competition game? Uh, that's especially on helping me on the beginning, helping me, and sometimes, like, don't uh, make, make me make my mistake. I'm gonna give an example. Before Pan Am's, I competed in the Austin Open, and I fought mm-hmm. Joshua Cisnero. I saw the match. On the, on this, that was my second match, first night. I fought Joshua. And with Pugar, something, I come up to try pass his guard. I was winning by one advantage, and I try pass, try pass, try pass, try pass. And then there is a rule I'm gonna explain what's that. I try pass, I was winning for eight minutes, one advantage. And then for some reason he come up on a single leg. And from the single leg he went to my back. And from from that, okay, I was like, okay, you still one advantage for me. If he jump on my back, you're gonna have one advantage. But if he jump on my back and plus in past three seconds, he give up the take now to try to take the back. So he cannot consider it, he can't take him down anymore because he he give up the taking down to try to another position. And that he did. He jumped on my back. I count one, two, three. I count five seconds, four, five. And then I lay down on my knees to recover on the half guard to be on board and sweep him. But it was one one advantage, he was on my back once I dropped on my knees and turned to the half figure, the referee gave it two. And I said, oh, shoot. And I already get mad because I did the training before, the night before, and they explained me how to work with the rules. But on the time they didn't apply. And they Okay, and this happened, and ended up sweeping Joshua on the end, ended up 2-2, and two advantage for him. So what I did was for nothing. Should have at least taken him out of my back and try to pass again. I ended up sweeping. If I sweep, it would be 2-0 for me. The, that's how it's supposed to be the match. 2-0 for him because I get him out and sweeping, but up 2-2, and I told him, guys, I've been studying the rules with you guys. I asked yesterday. Blah, 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 blah. And why you guys didn't do that? No, Chuck, he was on your back and then you dropped on your knees. Why did you drop on your knees? I say, I look today. I say, here's something. I could still if I want. He would never take me down. 
I couldn't stay stand. I couldn't walk on the <laughs> tournament with him on my back. I dropped on my knees. I literally said like that. That's why they kind of get mad. I dropped on my knees because in the rules, if it, after three seconds on my back with one hook, he jumped. It's a new situation. Change. So it's not taking up. That's why I did that. That's the only reason I did that. It's not because otherwise, if it's on the rules, I drop on my knees, it's going to be true. I wouldn't be standing throw down him and then they like and then there's the referee that did he say he did wrong oh, he admitted his mistake and then i just yeah but some ones don't accept they did it another guy it was two referees they said no i did it right they don't want to accept it they don't want to say like oh i did wrong so and then just like i feel so like disappointed and then and then i talked to my wife at least happened right now in the austin open Next month gonna be the pandemic. I won't do this mistake anymore. Like it's not a mistake, but I won't try rely on this rule. Even if it's there, can help you sometimes, but also can make you give a mistake to the because the ref sometimes they can't think, they can't see like oh maybe that's a take now maybe yeah yeah so like, you, you know you knew the rules so well you were trying so, to to use them to your advantage but the referee had to make a call that was yes yeah. that seemed in his eyes it was discretionary yeah so basically there was and they helped me a lot to to independent names and didn't did a zero mistake about this mm -hmm. technique yeah and you know i feel like um competitors who do referee a lot um they often have, they, it's hard to fight them. Like, for example, the Luna brothers, Machias and Mateus Luna, they referee all the time as well. And it is a pain in the butt fighting them. Like, they, you know, they know the rules. I, I joke, it's like they have the rule book in their left hand and your collar in the right hand. Um, they, it's very, very hard to fight them because they understand every situation so well. And it's like competitor, other competitors know every situation well as well. But to say that we know everything, like a ref knows everything, it's just not... It's not it's not true but you being able to bridge the gap between both are able to give yourself and it's not an unfair advantage it's a very fair advantage because if they wanted to ref they would um you give yourself a little bit of an advantage like hey i know the rules i understand the rules and now i'm fighting the rules and now you're pan champion and understand the rules you're in a very uh unique spot it's awesome <clears throat> yeah especially the, the, the Lunas, I, that day that when he fought the Hiba, I got super <laughs> angry because I, I told the Hiba, Hiba, this was going to happen. He's going to try to win mm -hmm. with the rules. I told him he's going to use the rules to beat you. And that's the only way he's going to, in my opinion, I don't know if you're going to hear, <laughs> he, he can beat you. I said the same thing then. Sorry. Uh, at that day, maybe he's a different, maybe he's better right now, but that day I told Hiba. That's the only way. And then when I saw Hiba, like, giving him opportunity to he win by the rules, by the, and I just like, I just left angry. I don't even want to talk to Hiba. I know. I know he talked. He saw, so yeah, I saw, I saw. You give opportunity. I know maybe the referee give a wrong call. Maybe you listen to someone else, but I, you could, mm -hmm. you couldn't win. Uh... You just give opportunity. 
again, again, no, because it's like it's like me, like when I was fighting Matisse. I don't know if you saw, but when I fought Simona guy Matisse Gabriel, I didn't stay a second inside the full guard. Mm -hmm. I literally stand up, even if it was five minutes. One one thing I don't like, I know I can get penalty really easily over there. And plus, in featherway, like some people they have a really good attack from Fugar, so I don't like to stay there. But Hibo was confident being there on the Fugar and stay there. That's why his mistake over there. I said, no, that's what he wants. He wants you to stay in his Fugar. The way he's going to make you get penalty. I was watching, I see everything. I said, nah. <laughs> yeah, but it helps a lot, but also. I, I argue with a lot of the referees, many of my fight on the the ones the BJJ Pro. This happened before. I say it's always gonna be a fight because these rules they they yeah, let you give a exactly. lot of interpretation sometimes. It should not. Should not. But sometimes two three refs can have different connotation about that position. Instead of three, I've been so, saying that. I've been saying, what if what if one tournament yeah. did that? Like just well, to every try it every out. corner and then a center ref, and then three in the like back, that. and then three overhead, <laughs> and then three at <laughs> home, remote every angle. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> here's funny about that about the the tournament with Hiba and and Mateus Luna. I fought Mateus Luna the fight before, and the same kind of thing happened to me where Mateus like won by this this tiny margin. And, uh, and I told Hebo, I was like, hey, don't let that happen to you. So it's so funny you told him that, too. I was like, hey, don't let that happen to you. And he was like, okay. And, I, <laughs> and then you talked to him, too. I'm like, I'm going to get mad at Hebo, too, now. I'm like, dude, everybody told you. Because I got mad. I was like, Hebo, let that happen to him. I was like, I just told him. And then now you just told him, too. That's uh, We're going to get Hebomar on the podcast. I'm, I'm going to roast him. very. I'm just going to say, welcome back to the Open Guard cast. Hebomar, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I talked to Tiago Macedo, and he said this. <laughs> It's so funny. So I want to ask you too about training with Hebamar since his name just came up because he's such an awesome competitor. Jake's competed against him. We both really like his style. We're huge fans of his jiu-jitsu. So what's it he's like training with, with Yeah, and he's a great person. So what's it like training with Hebamar every day? Oh, we've been training since we blue belt. I think. Yeah, like well, since white belt actually. Since like 11. And then we stopped training when he moved to Cicero Costa, Buffalo Bell, Brown Belt. And then when we moved to San Antonio together, to and then we start training back. It's awesome because he's he's have he's heavy, but he passed like a like featherweight. He likes to do knee slides. He don't pass like pressure sometimes. We also have Luan, Luan Oliveira, one guy just came from Cicero. He passed pressure. Rodrigo, my professor, he passed pressure, like double one is matching. He wanna like open your legs and try pass your guard. He but he he used a lot of technique and speed. So he literally like sometimes fascinated me in passing. That's what's make me is a good train for me because he's not just like sometimes sometimes he's get his position, he stay there. But before get a position, he moves a lot. Especially when he loses weight, he moves a lot. So it's a fun match, fun training for me, because train a lot of my guard. And he don't go easy. He always try like go hard. He, was, he go hard every time. <laughs> there is no way he go easy on me. 
because especially we train since we a kid and never go easy too so it's fun we train pretty much every day in the morning it's helping me a lot because his pass style is a tall tall way to pass and yeah you have to be active in your guard it's not like sometimes you're going to play with someone they just like pressure on pressure you don't move your hip a lot you just stay in one position but he moves side to side so i have to keep moving my hips side to side too all the time change my grips he break the grips he circle up his hand and then switch and then keep switch 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 so yeah it's almost like it's you're really nice fighting training. with a featherweight who just weighs more <laughs> the way he passes like you said <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's cool that he he pushes you so much when he's trying to pass. Have you learned anything from him, uh, like with his lapel techniques? Because I feel like that's a really cool part of his game is his guard, the way he sweeps with the lapel. He's got a lot of innovative stuff. Have you uh, been able to pick up any of that from him too? Oh yeah, he, on the beginning when he was doing lapel, I didn't even care about pass because no one would <laughs> say no one shit in my reason. I don't care. Yeah. I was mad. I was mad at Lapel back on the time. And I said, the only one who does this is Meow. I don't know when I'm going to fight him. And one oh, time man. I faced Diego Pato. He literally me. He beat my four, three advantage. He did Lapel. He went to my back. He climbed to my back. I take it out. And then it was like three one advantage for him. He was yeah, a back defense so was crazy so that good. match too. And I told him, that shit's weird. And then when I started training for Hiba, he was addicting lapel at the time. And I started like avoiding his lapel a lot. Avoid it, just like automatic. Once he grabbed my lapel, I circle under his leg already. And you don't even let, when he grabbed my lapel, I don't even let him do anything. I just like, and then whenever I, I fought Diego Pato, it was way better. I fought Kleber Klan, I killed his lapel. I think another guy who did lapel. I, I fought three guys that did lapel today for me. I think I fought Molinario. I killed his lapel, Kleber Klan. And it was fun training for him to help him. I love the lapel. I don't think someone's doing lapel right now. Maybe just Diego Pato is still. But yeah. I will defend really well right now after I face on tournament and I say, okay, now yeah, let's one thing I noticed about Hebamar, um when I was purple ball, I attended I was in Gracie San Diego and Leandro Lowe was gonna do a seminar there and Hebamar came down and me and him trained. I like how he uses leg pummels and he likes to use uh, no grips sometimes when he uh, passes as well. He sometimes does not use grips on leg drags and stuff like that. And I think uh, he taught me a lot about just movement in the guard. And uh, a lot of those principles my coach Andre still uses today with uh, teaching classes, a lot of the same things that we actually learned from Heapmart, which is really, really cool. And to have been able to share the mat with him as a black belt and be like, hey, I remember when you came to my school. And then we became friends after that because he remembered me too. He's like, oh, wow, black belt now, cool. And he's like, you're very, you're a lot better than you were. And I was like, yeah, you beat me up last time. <laughs> beat me up really bad in front of everybody. And I cried. I didn't cry, but I could have. Kind of forced myself to. <laughs> So I think it's really cool too. You mentioned like like Hebamar, you said passes more like a featherweight from the outside, but you also have 
people at your gym who pass like with pressure passing. Um, so do you feel like you get a lot of different variety of styles at your gym at Rodrigo's? Yeah, yeah. Especially we have we have like I have like five featherweights that I train. Hishar, two more two Brazilians and two Americans, mm -hmm. and they all have different games. Hishar pass different. Another one of my teammates, Mateus, is pass different. Another one, featherweight, lightweight. He just crazy. He jump on triangles. He try crazy. I have like five featherweights that I train. They all have different styles. Literally, no one have the same. And even including me, I don't have a, a different style. Like, so I have like, I don't think you know. Especially one time I went to train. Especially here, it's literally everybody different game. The guard could be the similar a little, but the pass, all the pass is different. So in the game, of course, and making me a lot better. Like, oh, this guy is really good in flip you over and try make you fly. The other guy just like try avoid it. Someone that just try avoid don't get swept and that's <laughs> man. They don't even try better. Someone they just try pass and being crazy. Someone just base, like, oh, you hit on pass, but you don't sweep him. So, it's I have a lot of a different kind of body type to train. Even if we all featherways and lightweights, it's a different body type. One's tall, one's short, one's long. It's, awesome. it's nice. For so me I wanted to ask you about Rodrigo too, because one, one thing that's always super interesting to me is I feel like gyms where they have a lot of tough competitors, they always have a leader who has like amazing leadership qualities and is just like a really good person. Because it's kind of hard to have a bunch of really good people in the room and to manage all those personalities and to make everyone happy without being like a great person and a great leader. So do you want to talk about Rodrigo a little bit, like how he is as a person and the kind of environment that he's built at his academy? Oh, Rodrigo, he's, he is, a, as a person, he's super hard and that's how it should be. He cannot be easy. He's not going to be like, some guy that just gonna try give you things easily. He's gonna make you earn it. Like it's not like oh, I'm gonna give you that that. He he like he try teaches how he learn. Like he even like when he's training as a person, he always hard on you. Since I got here, he's never been easy. Now uh, after seven years of him, now we we is like we we're like have a better, better communication but in the beginning like when i was pop up and like damn this guy he's hard on me he wake up at me early he trained he beat me up on training he he's like tell me to do that tell me to do this all the time i was like do that do that do that in training he killed me and then he's so hard on me and it's good if you take to the negative way like oh i'm gonna give up this thing is not for me but if you think him in positive way gonna make you stronger so that's how that's like i feel that's most of the people's like i remember when my mom told me like oh do you think i'm bad you're gonna see whenever someone whenever one day you have a your boss or something <laughs> you're gonna see what's if i'm your mom is bad so 
he's a really nice person with a good heart, but whenever it's time to do the job about life aspect, he's really hard because the things don't come don't come easy. So I've heard that I learned with him a lot. I'm still learning. Sorry about that. About I, everything, I saying, life, I've heard that teaching. He's like an insanely busy man. Like he just is just busy, 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 always doing something. Is that true? Yeah, like right, he, he is crazy, like he always, he can't stop, like he's teaching after teaching, he's gonna call someone like from Brazil, like, can, can you buy this car for me, sell this car for me, or here in San Antonio, like he sell car by car, or he try like, even the, the stocks thing that everybody's doing, he's like crazy, like selling stocks and he's <laughs> everything, he's so crazy. Like he can be stuck whenever it wasn't a quarantine. Quarantine, he has his three jeans. Like the jeans have to shut down. I told him, oh, Rodrigo, I think I'm going to start doing Uber Eats because the jeans, I don't know when the jeans are going to open. <laughs> oh, really? That's I'm going to do two. I thought he was kidding. <laughs> Literally. He downloaded the person than me. He started doing first than me. He started doing like, bro, he was driving his like Cadillac doing Uber Eats. I think he expended more on gas than making money. But the fact that he cannot be, he can't stop. He cannot just sit at home and be like, oh, I'm fine. He was doing like Uber Eats, DoorDash and crazy. Like he got the student, let's go, let's go, let's go. Look what I did. How did you do? He like, I was competitive. And that's how he is. He's super busy every day. It was like funny thing, like on the quarantine, like, oh, I did it more than you today. I say, okay, you beat me. And it's funny. He's incredibly that's busy with everything. Like, yeah. That's funny. That's what Andre told me. Just a busy Andre, Andre said like, they'll be eating dinner and he'll get a call and go do a private and then come back and at the end of the dinner, still in his gi pants. And you're like, man, we're eating dinner. Like, I don't ever see you. Why are you, why are you, why are you like this? And the other goes like, come on, man. I was like, I gotta do private. As if it's like not even out of the ordinary. It's like, Hey man, come on. Like, what are you, come on. We're just eating dinner. You didn't even finish. You just like left mid plate. That's so funny. Oh man, that's great. So, so you talked a little bit about like the pandemic. Uh, I know we were talking about Rodrigo, but how, how was the pandemic for you? Cause I know for a lot of athletes, it's really tough. You make your living competing and teaching privates, coaching, and a lot of that stuff was really difficult to do. So was there any, you mentioned doing like the Uber Eats and stuff, trying to make some extra money. Was it, was it really challenging financially going through the pandemic as a jujitsu athlete? Well, the beginning was, I said, oh, it was okay. It was like, I'm going to take like as a break. I feel like I'm going to take a break a little bit. Okay. I don't even want to compete the pandemic because before yeah. the quarantine start was the pandemic next week. And I don't feel I want to compete the pandemic. So I was training. And then when this happened, I said, oh, thank God. I need a break because I did like three tournaments back to back. I did the Grand Slam Abu Dhabi, London, in Abu Dhabi, Mexico, and and shot. You did the five tournament Miami before. One too, right? Or no, last year, the be, before the start. I think. 
I did it in Miami. No, I did it in Miami and did it like Charlotte, something, something like that. New Orleans. I did New Orleans before the pandemic. And I was like so tired. And I feel I feel good in the beginning because I didn't know how big it would be this thing. I felt they're gonna shot for two weeks, three weeks. And okay, I don't want to compare the pandemics. When I realized the gym has closed, had to close. And I was just at home and then people start buying stuff. And then I start like, damn, I'm not making any money anymore. Because I usually do money in the tournaments and teaching. But let's say I work a lot as a referee too. Let's say there's a tournament in my hometown last week. They pay me 250 to ref for four hours. Fine. And next week in two in Austin Dallas. So it's an extra two two hundred, two fifty. And plus my wife a referee too, so five hundred coming more every weekend. It's the easy money for me because I just have to referee there. I don't feel like stressing. I will enjoy because I learn to be honest, I learn a lot refereeing. Even when I re- I like to ref kids because kids are crazy and they do a lot of nice techniques and I wanna do right away at the gym. One time I was refereeing, just get on the I was refereeing a kid like eight years old. That's and awesome. literally Monday, I want to practice the position that he was doing. <laughs> I said, hey, I saw this kid. I want to ask him how he did it, but it would be weird. <laughs> but uh, it's just how crazy. I, I, I like to take advantage when I'm refereeing. So, and then because the pandemic and start like not training. The training, I always try to drill. I have the key of the gym. I was to go. I, I go for my wife to drill. For one week, I didn't train. But the next week, I start drilling for her. And the third week. I start meet up with Hiba and the other one because they have they want to train. But on the beginning financially it was going bad and then that's when I started doing the Uber Eats and DoorDash and stuff. And what's fun? It was making me like it was making me how can I say take it for granted. Yeah. I I do I make money with jujitsu. Because when I, I never have a will job in, before jujitsu. I was making money with jujitsu, and then when I have to make money in different way, I feel like damn, they hard. That this is hard. Like whenever everything come back, I'm gonna teach way better. I'm gonna be way better, and take advantage of my job, cause I didn't know how much was good making money. I knew that it was awesome because I can travel whenever I want. I can do my own schedule. I just have to let know Rodrigo, Rodrigo, this year I won't be able, but I have this guy to cover. I'm going to be out of country for two weeks. And whenever I start doing DoorDash, I feel like, damn, can't wait to come back. And then yeah, you appreciate it. Take more, like, how can I say, for granted? What I do right now, I appreciate more after doing that two, one month and a half DoorDash, two months, I was like, oh, damn, this is hard. It's not that hard still was fine doing the DoorDash, but uh, making money what I, with Jiu-Jitsu was, is less stressed than like doing something else that even is not your lifestyle. I would say DoorDash was still like, okay, easy. It's not like, yeah. it's not easy. Like it's a job, it's a work, you have to work. You have to work, but it's not like comfortable. Yeah, it's not my passion. So, and then like, Wow. So yeah, it was in the beginning it was hard, 
But I was, even when this time I, I was active, I was going to the park doing pull-ups and stuff. And yeah, I think I just stay one month, with, uh, one week without training and then start training like by myself, working out and drilling. And yeah, but more financially, it makes me appreciate more what I, I have now. Yeah. A lot of people I feel like are the pandemic. in the same boat too. I know I was. Yeah. Danny, how'd you feel? I actually, I don't even know if I, we may have talked about it. We started this podcast like two months pre-pandemic. We started um, January 2020, yeah. So about two yeah, months before. About two months. Um, did you kind of feel like that way too, Danny? Yeah, it was it was super tough because my gym was completely closed down. We were doing like Zoom sessions where we would like watch matches with my coach. That was, I mean, that was okay, but you learn a lot, but it's not the same as being on the mat, you know, so... <laughs> Just tried to they do know. that. And then I think we opened back up. Um, the state of Arizona opened everything. All the most businesses back up in, what was it, like June or something like that? May or June? Shoot, man. I don't know. I honestly don't remember. But as soon as it opened back up, I was I felt the same way as Tiago. Just, like, so grateful to step on the mat and just be able to do, like, what I loved every day again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Zoom, really? <laughs> the Zoom was crazy. I feel nervous to teach in a Zoom because it's, it's weird. It's, you have to kind of, the person yeah. that, in their own home and you have to make them do something. And it's feel weird at the beginning, especially with kids it's true. I teach one time the kids for, and I say, oh, Drew, I can't do this kid. Because no. it was like crazy. It's already hard teaching kids. Yeah, I was like feeling getting nervous to do the zoom. I don't know why. I said, Why am I nervous? I was like, I have to talk a lot, you have to show position a lot. Yeah, like, it's weird, different you style. Roll. You have to, oh my god, it was hard to for me. So, yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, a lot of yeah. drills, a lot of conditioning, stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of cool. I think one of the things too is like that it helped with is probably gave. It made Jiu-Jitsu people more creative with how they're going to make a living because, like, Jake had got the opportunity with Jiu-Jitsu X. Like, not saying that that was related to the pandemic, but it's like, oh, here's another opportunity to, like, further my career, another opportunity to make some money. So I feel like it made Jiu-Jitsu people more, like, seek those opportunities out a little bit more. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I would. Yeah. And I would say Jiu-Jitsu X yeah, yeah. out of pity. It wasn't out of uh, necessity. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, no, but uh, I feel like that that's just kind of the direction it seems to be moving. I mean, look at athletes like, I mean, the, the top the top of the top of athletes who make money with products not even related to like seminars and privates is Gordon Ryan selling products. And then you got like people yeah. like Kit Dale, who is not even like a super well-known competitor. He's just a guy who teaches really, really well. And like he got a big following and people love his, uh, his teaching style and Boom, he makes a lot of money. Then you got Bernardo Faria through BGD Fanatics starting his own business, and now he makes a lot of money. So it's like this this uh, this new age of moving forward with technology and being online, I think, is something that a lot of grapplers can really invest in because it's also not a lot of – it's not like a bad investment on yourself either. Let's say I did the instructional and it sucked, right, and like I just sucked at it. Then I went out there for five hours, and yeah, it was a it was a trip that I invested in and going on. But I'm also, you know, I'm I'm working to put an investment in my own future, and that can yeah. yield great results. It's good practice, and I feel like Tiago, you really enjoy coaching, yes? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I like. It's, it's helping me a lot understanding more about jiu-jitsu when I start mm. coaching, teaching. It's helping me a lot. You have to be creative in your technique. You have, you finally figured it out how to, oh, that's why I do that. You, like, you have to see the details from the position awesome. better. That's totally what I mean. It's like the more you enjoy coaching, the more that you do it these kind of online opportunities are like, it's almost like you're just teaching to one person and you're like, all right, cool. Since you're here and I'm with this partner, now I can teach it to everybody at home, but hey, you're listening. So I can teach you and I'm gonna explain it for you once you buy this product kind of thing, as opposed to a class setting where you're gonna field questions, you're gonna have to do multiple angles so that everybody can see, people have to move around, you only have an hour, that kind of thing. Definitely. So Jake, did you have any more uh, any more questions for Tiago? We're coming up on an hour, so we don't want to keep you too long. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Especially since it is uh, I don't know what time it is in in Texas, but uh, it's like eight a.m. here. Five? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Really? What are you doing? I was so he tricked me. He's dead serious. I was like, wait, really? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> they turned off the power, and then it added two hours. <laughs> yeah. That's great. You know, I totally believe you too because I know you're an honest I did man. Too. Oh man! Um, but no, I don't have any further questions. One, I'm just really excited that you're going to be a part of the EUG promotions. We're I'm looking forward to that so much, and uh, I'm commentating the show, so it's going to be you're going to hear you're going to hear this voice on the on the replay. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, Do you have any sponsors Danny, or friends you want to thank? Sorry. <laughs> Oh, I just thank my teammates. Yeah, my 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 from Rodrigo Pinheiro Games. They all support me for my gears and stops, everything. Yeah, my more all my teammates, all my supporters from my team, my teammates from awesome, Rodrigo right. Pinheiro. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, and, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Danny, Danny, you do the outro. <laughs> I'm All sick right, of so it. You do the, the outro. If, if you guys could just stick around for like one minute after I sign us out, if that's cool. Um, but yeah, so for the outro, Jake and I just want to thank our professors, Marcio Andre and Andre Maracaba, our academies, Marcio Andre Jiu-Jitsu and Maracaba BJJ. And yeah, this is episode, I think it's 83, right, Jake? This is episode 83 of the Open Guard Cast. 83. So episode 83 with Tiago Macedo. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and we will see all you guys soon.